Okay. Uh, Zivon did not like it. <laughs> no, just let, just shoot from the hip. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to Famous Last Words, a film making, making film, film making, making movies, movie making. Cinema, a filmmaking podcast. A so, filmmaking no cinema appreciation a, podcast. A liking films podcast. We're not liking them. We're not sure. Yep. Sign up today and we'll stop doing the bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, today we are joined. Well, I'm Andrew. I'm Teresa. And we're joined by a guest. The guest is David. Woo! <laughs> David is the game master of the holiday season. I right. am. Yeah. That's and the, what I'm known best for. And the mastermind behind our cool social graphics for this podcast. That's me. And a big time supporter of Barbenheimer. Big time. Okay, here, let's play the Barbie trailer. In in case you don't know, Barbie is a movie about a toy. Hey Barbie. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So Barbie is a, what is, okay, let's just, you know, we're not going to say anything that no one said before, except I don't think we've ever heard the angle of this. What is the most toxic, if we were to recast Barbie and Ken as like the most toxic people in our world who would they be i'll go first roseanne and ezra miller who's that ezra miller the flash oh oh i thought they had to be a couple no 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 no. oh well are mine's Mar- a couple are margot margot robbie and <clears throat> no what what okay go i don't like this game i was gonna pick sid and nancy because i'm not understanding oh that's a good choice okay i'm stuck on ezra miller i really <laughs> like that answer <laughs> okay let's ezra review miller's playing both parts <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah. in The Flash. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. So Barbie is a movie directed by Greta Gerwig, her third movie. I believe it's her third. Um, fourth or fifth? All right. Well, this is why we pull up the IMDb page, <laughs> because we actually don't know anything. So Greta Gerwig has directed... Who's going to get first, me or David? Four, five things. Yes. I know my Greta Four Gerwig. Four feature films. <laughs> yeah. That makes right. sense. So, uh, Barbie is about uh, uh, Barbie and Ken and their seek for existential improvements. Did you watch the film? That's <laughs> not really what it's about. Uh, yeah, you heard it here first. The movie is about Barbie, period. With, with a and lot Ken's of Ken. Ken's kind of there, too. Yeah. No, but Ryan Gosling does steal the show, do the entire movie, which is great. He does indeed. Yeah, I thought this... Uh, well... We're here, we're really reviewing the whole Barbenheimer experience. So, but do we talk about Barbie or do we play the trailer for Oppenheimer? We should really, you know, do some prep work. And like, <laughs> that's it. We're just, we're just going to go okay. ahead. And play. Oppenheimer, let's do it. Yeah, okay. This is a national emergency. Detonator's charged. So Oppenheimer is about Ezra Miller, and 
Uh, Oppenheimer is, of course, about uh, the founder of the atomic bomb, Killian Murphy, and his search for meaning and uh, his, you know, mass destruction of the world. Yeah, just just a tiny little bit of life changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> moments in history. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Barbenheimer, they both were released the same day. And a lot of people saw them both on the same day, which is great for movies and the cinema experience in general. Uh, David, what was your experience seeing the Barbenheimer experience? I had a great time. Went to Oppenheimer, 10.30 a.m., Barbie, 10.30 p.m. In between, after Oppenheimer, we had uh, diner food with some coffee, pool party before Barbie, and some drinks. Oh, wow. That sounds like way better than what we did. It was great. <laughs> yeah, we watched Oppenheimer, had an existential crisis, ate some... Uh, noodles. Noodles. <laughs> and saw Barbie. Yeah. We picked ourselves back up. Did you guys do same day too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like only a few hours apart. We did Bar or, uh, Oppenheimer, yeah, like at 11 ish, mm -hmm. and then Barbie at like 3 30 ish. Okay. So, yeah. so we had like a lunch break. I had enough time to just kind of forget about Oppenheimer for a minute. Yeah, it was definitely like, it took me like 20 minutes and some noodles to like yeah. get my brain back in my <laughs> we could have yeah. we could have we, we ended up moving our because we left oppenheimer feeling a little uh forgive the pun shell-shocked um <laughs> and we uh we could have stayed in the same theater in the same seats had we but we were moved our tickets back because oppenheimer is a lot yeah yeah we did um, we did make the right call of doing oppenheimer then barbie i've heard some people did the opposite yeah. and it was it was a not a good experience. Well, my plan was originally Barbie then Oppenheimer. Switched oh. at last minute. Really, really glad I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the whiplash would have been a lot. Yeah. You need Barbie to like pick you back up. Feel good about the world again. Yeah, I want to go to bed happy. <laughs> yeah. And that was actually my second time seeing Barbie. I cheated because I went and saw... Because we did the double feature after Andrew got back from grad school. So it was last weekend. Um, or... A while ago. A while ago, according to this podcast. If you're in the future, this is a while ago. <laughs> but anyway, so I saw Barbie in opening weekend with my friend. So this is my second Barbie viewing. You did a Barbenheimer sandwich. Barbie, <laughs> Oppenheimer, Barbie. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, that's the best way to do it. Um, yeah, I, I... So talking about Oppenheimer and the view that we all saw our Barbenheimer experience in... I thought Oppenheimer is maybe Christopher Nolan's best, maybe his second best, but I think that this movie is like, he really nails the funky structure. Like you don't ever feel, when you feel lost, it's kind of okay, like, cause it's an emotionally five act structured narrative, you know, or a tragedy. I think it's more of a tragedy than a five act structure. Um, and I like the way that he uses different color grades, obviously monochromatic, to like represent things in the future. But then when we see those scenes happen in the present, they're in color. I, I think that this, the way it's all put together, particularly the first hour, where it's like trying to move you, because it wants you to get you to the Trinity Project as fast as possible, I think. And mm -hmm. so it moves you through these story beats really, really quickly, but it never feels like a little bit lost in its sauce. I think it's, it moves really coherently. I definitely had a lot of moments where I'm like, did I get that line? Like so much sound was happening at all times, especially at the beginning where we're getting like the big booming, like 
bass in the background. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of moments where I'm like, did I miss the line? Was it important? But like, you figure it out later on, even if you did. Yeah, I had the same feeling. I wish that sometimes I wish there was subtitles, <laughs> which is how I watch movies at home. I also wear earplugs in the theater because I'm a baby. So like I had to keep kind of like adjusting them because like sometimes it'd be like really quiet moments and then you'd get that huge like boom. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the movie was also interesting because it used basically music wall to wall. Like there was maybe the movie's three hours long. There was probably two hours and 30 minutes of music, two hours and 45 minutes of music. In total, like the music is always going, and it's because the whole thing kind of works like, uh, you know, like Sergei Eisenstein would say, like the whole thing kind of works in like semi montage. You don't spend a long time on any given scene. There's no like, he sits down and is convinced to join the project. It kind of every scene is, I'm guessing, like two to three, four pages. Maybe there's one or two exceptions, but like it moves really quickly. Yeah, they had a lot to get through, <laughs> and I. You know, I feel like the pacing was pretty good. I didn't I didn't love the music in some of the like um I don't know, this not deposition, but whatever they were doing in that scene, I forget. The fake deposition. Yeah. I didn't they had tons of music in that and I was like, you don't need music to make this seem interesting. It's not very interesting. <laughs> but we need it like until certain parts, then it gets a little bit better. But yeah, and then um you know, it was around like hour two and a half that i was just like okay let's move it along (laughs) would have you liked it better had the bomb basically been the end of the movie when they i mean it would be a completely different film but i did have that feeling of like oh it could end here but then you'd be like even more devastated leaving the theater i feel like they try to give you like a little bit of hope or not just like destroy your feelings (laughs) about the whole situation and then have you like shut off the screen and leave. So I I feel like it was done right. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, David? I liked that it was more about Oppenheimer rather than the bomb. Mm -hmm. We move on past the bomb pretty quickly, even though like you're anticipating it the whole movie. It happens. It's it's pretty glorious. And then you just move on to a bunch of hearings for an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I like that the bomb... I mean, I think a good comparison to make for this movie is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I mean, the thing that Sharon Tate is known for, whether it's fair or not, is uh, being one, being married to Roman Polanski, and two, being murdered. Um, and so, like, in that movie, you're kind of like, you don't know that's fiction, like it's a true fiction, until you get to the very end. So you're kind of anticipating the Manson family's on the periphery, and they're coming closer and closer and closer. And at the end of the movie, you realize that, like, this is, you know, that's the genius of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, is it, like, moves past that it was setting you up for this expectation. And I think that the Oppenheimer movie was wise to not have the, even if it's like jumping back to and forward in time, that the bomb is not all he did. You know, like he was a pretty complex character. And I, uh, yeah, I thought that's why it worked well. And all three of us felt that way, that the bomb going off was like maybe the central moment of his life and the central moment of the movie, but it wasn't necessarily the most important part of his himself yeah we had to see how he was affected by it and how it affected everyone around him yeah and how he sort of tried to change he tried to slow down the progress of more like atomic bombs or like the hydrogen jump bomb specifically so like it's interesting that he you know he was just like maybe we did the wrong thing (laughs) to the chagrin of benny safty yeah (laughs) 
I mean, I I think the most devastating part in the whole film for me was when the project is like a success when they test it. And then it's it's the part where they're immediately like cheering and he's walking back and like, you know, they're all very happy that they did this and they achieved a great thing and they were putting so much time and energy and resources and just like endless amount of like, I have to do the thing, we did the thing. And it's just like, as in the future, you know like what this means and you see all, like how happy they are because they achieved this greatest thing that they never thought possible. And then you, so that part's like more devastating to me than even like five minutes later when he goes to like the cheering rally crowd. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's the moment where it's a little more heavy handed where it's like, yeah, now we're going to sink in. Like, we're all excited. We did it. We achieved the thing. And then, flat, like, he has flashes of, like, what is going to happen. So I actually thought right before that was more devastating to me. Yeah, I thought that you could play the sequence from after, right after the bomb goes off and they're all, like, watching it go off through till he leaves that, like, assembly where they're all cheering. And, like, the sound design is amazing. Uh you could have that whole sequence play just by itself in a silo as like a 10, 15 minute short film. It would work perfectly. And it tells you everything you need to know about Oppenheimer. Mm. Like the way he, I mean, obviously he's a fully fledged person, but like that whole moment in time and how he perceived his himself, I thought worked tremendously. I think seeing them together, Barbie and Oppenheimer, they're both really good displays of like, the human condition. I, I know most movies are like that, but like they truly are like, so it's like how flawed humans are and how they do things to sort of like deal with the world around them. And in Oppenheimer, it's, you know, it's way more dramatic. It's like they've created this great scientific achievement and, you know, it just was genocide and like, yeah, it stopped it kind of ended with the war, but like, it's just amazing to me, like how dedicated and driven humans can be, even when maybe it's like not the right thing in the end. And then like much more lighthearted is Barbie where, you know, like I think a lot of Barbie when she was like created, it was meant to like help bring you know, a different mindset about women in the world and, like, especially America and, like, after, you know, um, you know, like, try to bring about (laughs) equality between men and women and have, like, you know, start talking about the patriarchy. And and I think Greta Gerwig does a really good job taking this, like, really intense concept of feminism and patriarchy and where we are now and where we were in the 50s when Barbie was invented and like makes it really fun and lighthearted but everything is so true it's like these are the things we do to like make sense of this weird world we live in I think it helped that the antagonist of Barbie kind of was like the most fun part of the movie yeah (laughs) I didn't realize he was going to be the antagonist until you know it kind of happens like he starts discovering oh men kind of rule the world and like horses and all this and uh, I thought in my head, and I was like, "Is are they gonna make Ken the bad guy?" Because I'd really love to see where that goes. And uh, sure enough, they did. Mm-hmm. But to me, he was the most. Ryan Gosling was just funny as hell in that movie. He's hilarious. Like you can't deny that. He's. Yeah, he was great. 
Yeah. Um, I was happy to not know much about Barbie going into it. I like had no idea. I'd seen like the two trailers, but I didn't know that again, like Ken was going to be the villain and how like hilarious it was going to be. Well, there really is no villain. I mean, I mean, he maybe he is thought of the villain because, True. but he's just kind of, yeah. I mean, they take on the villain is patriarchy and uh, <laughs> he just gets lost in it. He just gets lost in it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really interesting. Uh, what the different, like going from Barbenheimer to uh, uh, Barbie, and I kind of thought this in the theater is like you R- Oppenheimer's world kind of ends at the start, the founding of the Barbie, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that like you know, his relevancy was kind of gone by the 60s, uh, and Barbie was founded in the late 50s, early 60s. So I kind of found that to be an interesting like updating of our times. We're um, really getting the most important parts of human history all in one day. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I like Barbie pretty much. I realize it's not a movie necessarily for, for people like me. Um, Men. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like I, I liked it okay. I thought it was funny. It was like I, d- I have no desire to see it again. Um, I almost went to see it again the other day. Okay. <laughs> It's not a movie for what old did you, men. What did you like about it? I, I just thought it was fun. Like, it was the most fun I've had at the movies all year. I I, ended, I liked Oppenheimer a little bit more if we're comparing the two, like, mm-hmm. just as a movie. But, like, I had so much fun with Barbie. The, like, every flaw I had with it, I was like, I don't really care. Like, I had fun. That's how I felt about it, too. I'm like, I know this isn't a perfect movie, but I just love it so much because I just think it's so fun. And I had fun at the theater both times. Um, and I think, you know, I think it is a movie for everyone to can enjoy. And it seems like they had fun just like making it. And I love feeling that like energy. Um, but I think it's particularly, yeah, it speaks to women a lot more. And like, there's a lot of jokes that are a little bit like inside jokes for women. (laughs) You're like, oh man, or just like things that are ingrained in us that we, we don't like and seeing them in like a joking matter or pointed out is just like it's gratifying in the way like in the beginning when they're getting like Nobel prizes and stuff and they're like yes I deserve this and like you're great and you're like I know <laughs> and you're like oh I wish I could just like do that and not just be like oh thank you oh I don't know I don't deserve this like I feel like I tend to do that sometimes especially as sometimes I'm like shy in those situations and I can't take a compliment I'm like no, I should be like Barbie. I should be like, yes, I worked really hard. <laughs> I think they do a good job of, of explaining the complex history of, of Barbie, of like, you know, that, you know, they do have some weird in, women's, you know, image body issues that like they mm-hmm. help perpetuate. Um, I think that uh, they know they hit, I mean, they hit the nail on the head with the script and the screenplay and, the, and making it as like kind of an inside joke to everyone is you know was a was a really smart choice um i think that there what did you feel how did you feel about the last line of the movie where she's like now a real person for some reason now there's magic it's and now she's a real person now she's going to like to me i i thought like it was like you went one it was like an snl skit it was one joke too far it was one joke too many the gynecologist yeah yeah, I, I think, I mean, I had more problem with actually right before that. I feel like the ending was a little fumbled. Like, 
it just felt weird and not in tone with the rest of the film. And I almost wish they just like made less of a deal, like big deal about her going to become like a person. Like they could, she just could have come back with America Ferrera and like something. I don't know. Revolutionalized Barbie land. Exactly. Like it could have been so different. I feel like they went way too cheese and I don't know. I was like, eh. So overall, like the Will Ferrell boardroom stuff was, I I thought it was just kind of out of, yeah. movie like you take that out movie's just as strong as it was if it's not there yeah i said that i was like i didn't like will ferrell in it like i just feel like he is so him that when you write him into something he can only be himself and like i'm not a huge fan of his comedy and it just feels particularly out of place in this film i mean he's known for playing toxic men too so it's like you know i mean like his character in anchorman despite it all being a joke, like, is, is pretty awful towards women, like, even mm-hmm. at the end of those movies. And I just felt like when it became about Will Ferrell, every scene he was in, it didn't become about the story, it didn't become about, it became about his exact sense of humor. So, yeah, no, Will Ferrell was, was a mistake. I also feel like the Harry Potter white world where, like, you mm-hmm. know, like, let that train roll in and we'll get Dumbledore and, uh, you know... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That was I, my least favorite part. Yeah, I thought that was really weak. And it's like, is that really what she wanted? Is that like her ultimate absolution? Also, when she's like, are you sure you want to be human? I thought they were going to show like clips of how shitty humans can be. Like dropping an atomic <laughs> bomb. Exactly. They That's... could have done a crossover there. <laughs> exactly. And it's all like happy things. And I'm like, no, you need the sad part. Because like part of being human is all the terrible things. But you get all the happy things with it. So... Besides the ending and Will Ferrell, I thought it was a great film. <laughs> I think the ending was was not the ending they had in mind. It was what Mattel wanted. Oh, Possibly. yeah. That could be. I was a little surprised at how much Mattel allowed them to just like bash the history of Barbie and just make fun of it. Mm-hmm. You don't see that a lot with big brands like that. I think that was their attempt to rectify some of the things you were talking about. Mm-hmm. That like the, the damage that Barbie has done to our society into the way women feel about their bodies like that's undeniable whether it's what they intended or not the fact that they've been run by many men at the top and not as many women it's a little bit different now but i mean it's still a male ceo but um like all the product designers and like head creative leads are women um marketing i think led by a woman as well now mm-hmm. so you know, I think that was them trying to, like, make up for some wrongdoings. Like, okay, we'll let you point out everything about mm-hmm. what we did wrong. And It's also, like, if they make fun of themselves, so we can't really... We can, but we're not going to criticize them as much as we would have. Yeah. And it's, like, it's obvious a huge cash grab and, like, a way to make Barbie and Mattel more profitable and all their other product lines that they're going to turn into movies. Um, but it's like a little bit harder to like point figures at that when you like feel like it was a great film, very well done, like well produced and directed by women. And like, mm-hmm. so they know what they're doing. It's all a strategy. Yeah, no, I think it was. Yeah, they, they they're escaping a lot of criticism that the movie could be thrust upon it by dodging by you know acknowledging it themselves and there's no such thing as bad press just because Mattel is a shitty run did some shitty things particularly with tax evasion in the past doesn't mean people aren't going to now go and buy Barbies like crazy oh yeah now they're buying the Barbies from the movie right (laughs) the sales must be 
phenomenal. I haven't I looked. Know. I'd be really curious, though. I really want the I am Ken, Ken enough yeah, hoodie. Yeah, they sold out, like, immediately. <laughs> like, immediately, yeah. yeah. It was like Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think about that line a lot, even for myself. Like, if I'm feeling stressed out or worried about something, I'm like, I can. I'm Knuff. Is it Knuff? What is it? I, I said Knuff. <laughs> it just feels so weird to say. Knuff. Knuff. I'm Knuff. Andrew, are you uh, Ken or an Alan? <laughs> I guess I'm an Alan. <laughs> That's a good point. Michael Sarah. How do you say his name? Yeah. Yeah. He's in this film and he is playing his traditional comedy mm-hmm. character thing. You know, but I found I think that a lot. Worked. Like, they cast a lot of people playing exactly the type of person they've always played. And, like, like Kate McKenna and Michael Sarah, yeah. Will Ferrell, Issa Rae. Issa Rae. And I was a little bit worried about that going in, that it would be kind of like cheesy, like a little over the top. Oh, everybody's just themselves 100%. And it kind of was that, but mm-hmm. I, I ended up liking that aspect of it. Sure, they did do a good job mixing it all together. I think my favorite line in the movie is when uh, they're trying to escape Barbie land, uh, America Ferrara, Michael Sarah, and the daughter. And he makes a comment about they need to get out before the Kens figure out how to build the wall horizontally. (laughs) Not just 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 vertically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I missed that the first time around or something because I laughed really hard the second time. Um, My favorite line in the movie is because of I thought of Andrew. So it's like, and I'd seen this with my friend without Andrew, and we're like laughing hysterically. And then they're like going off to Barbie land and her daughter is like, well, what about dad? And she's like, oh, he'll be fine. And they cut to him doing Duolingo. (laughs) (laughs) It just made me think of you. And I loved Uh, it. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I thought they, I mean, they, my favorite, I guess we're doing our favorite lines from the movie. Um, I don't know. You're yep. not a huge fan of comedies. Yeah, comedies are tough um, because they have to end in a, in a positive moral tale, and it's hard to take. Um, well, Oppenheimer tried to do that. No. Oppenheimer, he... No. They said that, like, they end it not with him being, like, banished for doing this thing, but that, like, people will always come back around. Because they're... they're because humans are in, inherently selfish. It's a little bit like of a bittersweet ending. Yeah. Like he's getting acknowledged, but after everything that happened. I mean, he was That's like true. he lived in exile. Like he lived not even in the United States. No, I know, but like it wasn't like humans are self-congratulating shells. <laughs> that's 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 okay. the the ending. <laughs> that's my ending of that. Okay. Um but I you know, I think that uh it's <clears throat> Barbie I think they did a good job even poking holes at themselves because you could easily say when you're like seeing the promotional materials like, oh, like how are you going to have a sympathetic message with Margot Robbie as like, oh, but she's a real person with real, like she's incredibly beautiful. And they did a job like acknowledging their own, mm-hmm. you know. Even at a line in the movie. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. saying. Yeah. yeah. I didn't Note love that. I thought it was like a little bit like, okay, like then don't cast her if you're going to go on and like say oh we shouldn't cast it like i don't know i thought that i love the movie i i didn't love that line yeah i think that uh these movies will show down at the oscars if we have an oscars and uh that it will be i think that it's robert downey jr's to lose for best supporting actor but i think ryan gosling will get nominated comedies never win they never win i mean they don't they have in the past but they very rarely win oscars um so 
Yeah. Think, but he'll get nominated for sure. But I don't think there'll be any other acting nominations in Barbie. None? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't, I don't think so. I mean, Ryan Gosling was great, and Robert Downey Jr. was amazing, so... Yeah. Because he doesn't do his, because neither of them do the thing they're kind of known for. Like, particularly Robert Downey Jr., he doesn't mm-hmm. do his, like, really snarky self. He does kind of, uh, you know, he doesn't do Iron Man, which is yeah. like, for a while, you only got Iron Man whenever you cast Robert Downey Jr. in something. Though it's funny, I heard, um, like, a little interview clip that Ryan Gosling has two young daughters, and that when he said, like, hey, I'm going to play Ken in the Barbie movie, they were like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> his his press tour was pretty incredible to watch. Yeah. Like, for a second, it seemed like he was losing his mind in that role. Like he had for become sure. Ken in real life. I know, People I do. People were saying see. it was, like, the first method acting where you're not playing an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he did all his interviews kind of like Ken. He did. I mean, I think the marketing team for both movies, incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I, I totally thought they were at the same studio. They're not even at the same studio. Oh. Barbie was Warner Brothers. Oppenheimer was Universal. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, they're both incredible movies. They're both huge blockbusters, but not in like the traditional, what we have been experiencing, like summer blockbusters or like pure action or Marvel. Fast and the Furious. Yeah, exactly. Well, those kind of movies haven't been doing well this year, really. I think people are tired of them. I think like Barbie in particular was a nice like fun popcorn film but they weren't it wasn't like the same Mm -hmm. thing as everything with no substance like it had a lot of substance i mean it's existing ip but it does feel like it feels fresh Mm -hmm. compared to a lot of other movies because barbie is super meta and that that helped Mm -hmm. it a lot it helped it not try to be yeah a marvel take on it It was like a self-aware take and i think that like even though i mean this is how's this for a meta take it's unfair to compare the two movies because they're completely different styles and and what they're trying to do. And that doesn't make Oppenheimer better or Barbie better. They're just very different. You know, they just happen to be released the same day. I mean, no one compared Dark Knight and Mamma Mia 2, even though they were released on the same day. So, you know what I mean? like <laughs> I did. You did? <laughs> you did Mama Night. The dark. dark the, the, the Dark Mama <laughs> Night. Yeah. The Dark Mia. Yeah. The Dark Mia. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think that they both do exactly what they're supposed to do as movies. And I think that makes them both excellent, even if you don't like one of them. And yay for seeing movies in the movie theater again. That was fun. It was really fun to be able to tell exactly who was seeing what movie at every time. Mm-hmm. Like, there was so much pink. I don't know if it was like this where you guys went, but like probably like 75% of the people at the theater were there for Barbie, if not more. And they're all decked out in pink. Everyone. <laughs> Definitely when I went and saw Barbie, it was like that, yeah. But I think we saw during the day, like, weeks after it opened. So Mm -hmm. only a few people I noticed, like, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, you're definitely going to Barbie. Did, uh, this is just a question, because when we saw Oppenheimer in theaters, the scene where he's in his deposition and Florence Pugh is having sex with him, did people laugh in your theater? No. (laughs) Because when when it happened in our movie theater, people laughed. I was just like, oh. It's always interesting because oh. it's like a, a very serious moment in the movie. As it's like, uh-huh. is this everyone's reacting to this? Everyone's just uncomfortable, <laughs> I would assume. I think yeah. they're just like, what? Like, taken aback. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's a big swing, but I feel like it worked. Man, it was a cool effect. Mm-hmm. Man doesn't do sexual tension well. No, he does not. <laughs> I mean, the first time he has, like, 
the sexual encounter with Florence Pugh, I'm like, why is this so awkward? <laughs> like, can you get like a woman in here just to direct this one scene? It's his, his wife is his producer. She, okay, she needs to like take the helm for some of the romance stuff because he's really bad at it. Gillian Murphy's <laughs> wife was a producer? No, no, uh, Christopher Nolan's wife is oh, okay. Emma Thomas. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. You can't be perfect at everything. You have to have one flaw in your film. <laughs> right. What's better than a perfect movie, Teresa? A movie with one flaw you can talk about all evening. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so t- now to the mailbag. We need a mailbag sound effect. Do we? I think Do we, we have one? I don't know if we have. I don't think we have one. <laughs> that was mean. That was mean spirited. Okay, how about no, this no, one instead? No, we, okay, we're doing okay. Mailbag. Thank you. So <clears throat> today's mailbag comes to you. Richard, the quadruple bypass heart, asks, "What is your favorite remake of all time?" This is probably in reference to our taking of Pelham one two three episode, which aired last week. Oh, well, thank you. Like bypass. Richard, yeah. Richard the quadruple bypass heart. I think it's a joke. It's a play on Richard the Lionheart. Oh, thanks for explaining. Because <laughs> I didn't get it. It's too complicated. Uh, I don't make up these things. These are internet people. Okay, so this one's definitely not my favorite. But I just immediately thought about it because I just watched it. The Samuel L. Jackson Shaft movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched it this past week. I have not seen the original, but I had a lot of fun <laughs> with the Sam Jackson one. <laughs> And I went and I read reviews afterwards, and I'm like, people do not like this movie. <laughs> but I had so much fun. I don't think I've seen either. I've seen the original. I, yeah, I've just seen clips of the original. Oh, but... I, I suggest the Sam Jackson one. He's, <laughs> he was born to play that role. He is great. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> mm, I can't think of one. I feel like there's one that's really obvious and that I can't. I think that I love. I know what mine is. There you go. The thing. If we count the thing as a remake, the thing is a phenomenal movie. Did you steal mine? Uh, I don't live in your head. <laughs> I wonder if that's what I was thinking of. Afterlife. No. Is that the lady one? That's the second lady one. There's two the lady one ones. Where they're like younger kids. And which is technically not. Yeah, no. I don't think it's a remake, but. Mm. I think all of the new gen. Ghostbusters have failed. <laughs> I haven't seen them, but every Ghostbusters since the first one has kind of failed in their own way. It, is Goose, Ghostbusters two okay? That's I don't the one with Statue of Liberty. I don't think that uh, one's very good. Yeah, it's a one-time thing. Another really great remake is uh, God. It just flew out of my head. Shit. That's not the name of the movie. <laughs> Stop searching it. I can't think of this. You need to give me more time with the mailbag. These are hard questions. They come in last minute sometimes. All right. Uh, so the thing, though, the thing is a, the a, thing's a great remake. A remake. The thing and Shaft. The thing and Shaft. <laughs> and I can't think of it. Oh shit! Wait, no, there it goes. Oh, I got one. Oh. Well, there's like several remakes. Well, maybe not. I don't remember. The Great Gatsby. That's a good one. The Boslerman one is. That's a good, good one. And I mean, the other one's fine too, but the Mia Farrow one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scarface, Scarface also a remake. That's a good one. Mm. Talk, about, go... talk about talk about toxic masculinity movie. Yeah, talk, put Scarface and Barbie together, man. Yeah. <laughs> the world is yours. Well, David, it's been great to have you on the podcast, the man behind the graphics. 
Thank you. Had a great time. <laughs> yeah. We got the whole okay. OVC. Oh, you're crew. playing the intro. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>